Welcome to Scaling Impact, a podcast where we interview amazing social entrepreneurs and nonprofit leaders on what it's like to scale impact and generate millions in revenue for their ventures and organizations. I'm your host, Savitra Wilson, the CEO and founder of Resilia, a SaaS platform that helps organizations increase capacity and enterprises that deploy billions scale impact. On this episode of Scaling Impact, we have Britt Gilmore, the president of the Giving Keys, a Los Angeles-based jewelry company that employs those transitioning out of homelessness. Britt, how are you today? And thank you for joining us. I am us. great. Beautiful uh, day in LA, per usual. Yes, but, yes. Yeah, I, excited to talk with you. Absolutely. So I'm really fascinated by your story and the Giving Keys mission. Uh, I know you have a story section on your website, thegivingkeys.com. Uh, but I would love for you to take me back to the beginning and tell me me more about the story of how and why the company was founded and your connection. Yeah, for sure. So it really starts with our founder, Caitlin Crosby, who grew up in L.A. and um, was surrounded by this ever-growing issue of homelessness. Um LA is the homeless capital of the US, which is not a name that we are proud of, but she was just surrounded by it and and, um, didn't necessarily intend to start something that would be directly addressing homelessness. Um, She began her career as a actress and musician and um, had started a a nonprofit with the actress Brie Larson called Love Your Flaws Mm -hmm. and the whole spirit of Love Your Flaws was to encourage people to embrace their imperfections and to really celebrate them. Um, so Caitlin wrote a record in the theme of Love Your Flaws, and it was called Flaws. And she was touring it around the country and stayed at a hotel in New York. And the key to her room was an actual key. It wasn't like the magnetic swiper, swiper key. And she put it on a chain so she didn't lose it. And ended up loving the way that that looked and wanted to start wearing key necklaces. So fast forward, she's at a locksmith. She saw somebody in front of her in line get numbers stamped into their key. And she asked the locksmith if he could do letters and put love your flaws and other encouraging messages on keys so that she could start selling them at her merch tables. So he starts making her these keys. She's putting them together as pieces of jewelry, selling them at her merch table, and they are selling out more than her records. Mm-hmm. And she was like, okay, this (laughs) is cool. Like, glad that you love the necklaces. Also, I played all this music for you and still want you to buy my CDs. But it was clear that there was something really resonating with people about these key necklaces and the words on these keys and this idea that um, that word is your daily reminder and you wear it to, to remind you to embrace words like or qualities like love, strength, courage, hope, fearlessness. And um, it just really resonated with people. So they were purchasing them and wearing them and paying them forward and giving them away. And Caitlin knew that she always, she always knew that she wanted it to give back to the community somehow. Mm -hmm. She just didn't know what that would look like. And one very fateful day, she was in Hollywood and ended up meeting a couple experiencing homelessness named Rob and Sarah. And she felt really compelled to take them to dinner and 
they shared life stories while they were eating. And over the course of the dinner, Caitlin complimented Sarah's necklace. And Sarah's response was, I make jewelry. I actually made this. It's my hobby. And it was this aha moment for Caitlin where she realized, oh my gosh, this is the missing link to the giving keys. This is how we can give back to the community is by creating jobs for people experiencing homelessness. So literally the next day she went and got Rob and Sarah all the equipment they would need to start doing the engraving. And little by little, as they worked for the company, they saved enough money to move into a motel. At the time they met Caitlin, they were actually living in a dumpster in Hollywood. And they moved into a motel room and then saved enough money to move into an apartment. So the whole spirit of the Giving Keys is to create as many jobs as we possibly can for people experiencing homelessness here in L.A. No, that's amazing. It, I, when I was first reading about uh, the story, it kind of reminded me of uh, the story behind Tom's. Um, and I just love and I feel like the culture of today, we're in an era where we're kind of driving the consumer buying and people don't want to just buy blindly and are seemingly more in touch with who they're buying from and what their connection to society is. Um, do you feel this is the case for a lot of your customers? Um, I feel that companies like uh, the Giving Keys is really setting that tone that people are even more in touch to. Like, how, where is this going? Like, where am I buying? Where am I purchasing things from? And how can this have a greater impact on just our uh, social climate and what's happening in the world today? Yeah, I mean, thank you for saying that. Super honored that um, anyone would consider us a, a company that's influencing the the culture in that direction of consciousness around their purchasing habits. We definitely want to be doing that. And I think that just on the on the basis of who we are as a brand, I think we attract that kind of consumer. Um, and there was a really interesting study that came out last year by the marketing firm Edelman mm-hmm. that has they've been measuring um, they've been measuring customer behavior and customer sentiment around give back brands and impact driven brands. And there's been like an 18% increase, I believe in just one year alone from 2017 to 2018 across all age groups, not just millennials and Gen Z, but even baby boomers and some of our uh, older and wiser people on the planet Mm -hmm. that they, they really care about and will make a decision to purchase from a brand that has impact at its core. Um, so I think that I think that there is a shift in that direction and people are expecting a lot more out of companies. And I think that they should because companies have can have a lot of power over people's lives and over how resources are utilized and even care for the planet. So I think that consumers can really make a bigger difference than they might think in just how they spend their money. Absolutely. Um, Instagram just launched their donation um, button. And it kind of got me started thinking about how um, just individuals can have influence on um, what people are doing and the good in the world. And so I'm a huge believer that um, nonprofits should have a revenue generating arm, but I'm also a huge believer of social ventures and that individuals can build successful companies around social causes and with the um, just underlining of social benefit. Um, You once said, I really believe that social business is the way of the future. There's certainly a place in the world for nonprofits, but I also believe there are sustainable models that we can design and develop in a variety of industries that can solve social problems in a way that earns income. 
um, how do we change the mindset of individuals to think this way? Because I agree with you 100%. (laughs) I'm glad we agree. Yes. Very connected to you. Um, Your question was, how do do we change the mindset? Like, Mm. And we believe that this is like a, I do believe like this is a way of the future as well. And um, even like Mark Cuban mentioned that he also felt the same thing about uh, the space of people um, really furthering the idea and concept of social ventures. And I think that people are now more conscious of, oh, you know, I can do good and make money too. Um, yeah. And so I do believe that that is kind of where we're moving. Um, but do you think it's happening fast enough? Do you feel do you feel it even in the work that you do or the things that you're seeing um, that people also are adapting to this mindset? Mm, I do. And I think I think when you're talking about it as broadly as kind of like global economics and influencing consumer minds, not just in the U.S., but around the world, that is it's a lot of people. It's a lot of messaging. There's a lot of noise. So I think it's, it is a slow build, but I also will say, I think it's happened rather quickly just taking into consideration that like a company like Tom's who I, I really believe has paved a way for other brands, Mm -hmm. cause-based brands to be successful. Um, Tom's didn't exist until 2006. So it's been like just a little over 10 years and, um, I can't remember the stat off the top of my head, but just the number of like B Corp companies that exist now, um, it's certainly a growing sector. It's it's well into the thousands. Yes. Um, but I think the way that we change people's minds is by companies that have impact at their core the best at what they do and worry. Like being a competitive business that satisfies your customer is the number one way to change people's minds because mm-hmm. the customer still wants what the customer wants. They want it fast. Um, they want a good experience with the brand. And so I think that the number one way that we move in this direction is of course around education on issue areas um, and and brands being willing to uh, commit to an issue and really dive deep on it and, and address it in a comprehensive way that really gets at the root of it. But, but also for them to be just a really good business. And, and I think sometimes, uh, from my experience being in this impact space, um, I think there's a temptation or a danger that you can over overly rely on your impact to, float you and, and keep you competitive. And I would just say that what we've learned is you just have to be as good or better than your competition. And um, to that same point, I, uh, I was asked to be on the advisory council for a, a organization called Conscious Capitalism in the L- for the LA chapter. And we just had a meeting and the CEO of Evite was there. Um, and they've done a really great job of incorporating donations into their platform. Um, But we were talking about like, how do we really move this idea of conscious capitalism forward and influence the community? And he, he really led the conversation in that direction 
of how do you get more businesses to do this and how do you get consumers to care about it? Like you be the best at what you do and provide the best service or the best product and then the market will follow you. Absolutely. So I, I, I agree with that a lot. So what challenges have you faced on this journey in general and has it been hard to run a business with a social component to it? I always answer these types of questions uh, starting with anything that's been challenging is 150 million percent outweighed by (laughs) the fulfillment of doing the work. So I think that's a really important thing to say. But of course there's challenges. I mean, on a business level, we've decided to produce a product that most of our competition is producing offshore. Um, We've decided to produce it domestically and we've decided to produce it with a team of people who may have not been in the workforce for a while. So um, that, that is a set of challenges that we experience. But at the same time, specifically speaking about the employment program, For folks who have been out of the workforce for whatever reason and are really looking for a job, if they don't have as many opportunities as other people, um, they're going to cling to and hold on to the opportunity that they do have much more tightly than somebody who could leave you and go somewhere else. Mm -hmm. So that's, I think that's a huge benefit of working with populations that have barriers to employment is um, they are just great team members absolutely, and are very loyal to the company and show up and do a really, really good job. So, um, but I think other, other barriers that we faced, um, I, yeah, I would say sometimes it, it, because we're doing the employment mission, then we also are encouraging people to pay their products forward. It can sometimes feel like we've got two missions, Mm -hmm. like the mission around the product and wanting to create these moments of connection when you give your key away and pass your word on to somebody. And also the mission of creating the jobs. And so we've, we've gone back and forth over the years about which message do we lead with first? What do we want to make sure that we're prioritizing in terms of the brand message? And at different points in time, we found, like I was up in San Francisco visiting some friends and met a, a girl that was friends with my friends who giving keys, had given keys, and had no idea that we employed people they got of homelessness. Yes. And so she had known great. about us for years. Yeah. But she knew about the pay it forward part. Yes. We obviously weren't doing the best job at communicating both things. And because they both t- require like a bit of a mouthful of information, uh-huh. it can be challenging to, to, to share both. So, Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, so I'm curious to know. Come up for us. Oh yeah, that's great. I think that we always think about um, products on our end and we're in obviously um, the SAS tech space, but we're definitely in like the civic tech uh, impact space. And we have seen so much movement in the space overall and just working with different people and what they're trying to build and how excited they are. Um, For you, what has the journey taught you about people and about yourself? It's, It's kind of breaking up. And yeah, I'll repeat that. So what has the journey taught you about people 
and about yourself. Britt, can you hear me? I, uh, Are we back? I, I can hear you, but it's been it's breaking up. Okay. Can you hear me okay? Yeah, I can hear you. I'll repeat that, and I'll just cut it. Um, what has the journey taught you about people, and what has it taught you about yourself? So definitely what the journey has taught me about people is that we are all lucky to, for those of us that are housed, um, we should be very grateful. And in a lot of cases, many of us are only a few paychecks away from experiencing homelessness. Mm -hmm. And I think that there's a lot of, um, generalization when it relates to the homeless population about reasons why they are experiencing homelessness, the choices that people believe that individual made to get themselves in that and I think uh, there's a lot of just misinformation and overgeneralization about what that population experiences and why. So I I think that the idea for anyone who may experience or encounter or be in proximity to people experiencing homelessness mm -hmm. to consider what might have happened to you had a medical emergency while you were uninsured or what might've happened to you if you witnessed your parents get killed in front of you when you were five years old and the trauma for life um, in the future. So just taking into consideration, even somebody who might live more paycheck to paycheck, like what if you lost your job and you couldn't get employed for six months to a year? Like, would that put you in a position of potentially getting evicted? Right. And when you can start to humanize the reality of what these folks are living through and living with, I think it f makes you feel less separate and more, uh, more aware of how possible that experience, if, if the, the wrong series of events came into, into your life. So I've learned that we're not that different. I've learned that incredibly resilient and it blows my mind to see the things that people have walked through and overcome. And I think what I've learned about myself, um, Honestly, I would say I, I think I've just become incredibly aware of how much privilege I experience. Mm -hmm. And that wasn't necessarily always a very top of mind idea for me um, until I spent more time with people that just had very different lived experiences than, than I did. Um, so it's given me a lot more gratitude for the place I was born and the family I was born into. And, um, and I say that not to be like, I don't know, overly celebratory about all the things that I have. It's more this reality check of, wow, there's a lot of things that, um, 
that I didn't realize that I just got. Absolutely. Until I was with people who were like systematically <laughs> kept outside mm-hmm. of, of, of having the life that they want. Um, so I, I think I've, I've learned, I've learned that for sure. Amongst a lot of other things, like how to run a business uh-huh. and um, what not to do and how to build a team and what does leadership really mean. Um, a lot of lessons in all those categories along the way, for sure. Absolutely. I, we Every time I hear myself like complaining about something, I always catch myself saying, oh, you know, this is first world problems, right? And when you think about that in the greater scheme of things, when you talk about the homelessness in L.A., it's like, actually, we have a lot of problems here in the first world ourselves um, that definitely can make us all feel a lot, feel our privilege by addressing some of the issues that we have. Um, And so you talked a little bit about um, learning a lot about business, um, when starting, what would you have done differently, if anything? Um, and what has failure taught you? Mm. Oh, man. Um, there's been a lot of learning opportunities. Um, I'll say this. I, I came on board at the Giving Keys when I was 24 years old. Mm-hmm. I'm 32 now. And there's, I think when you're, you're going on an entrepreneurial journey, of course, I didn't start this company, so I don't don't feel fully like an entrepreneur in the sense that like I had an idea and I went after it, but more of an entrepreneur, somebody that came into action and helped build it and scale it, um, and had to think very entrepreneurially to do that. Um, so I mean, lessons along the way definitely are like, how do you implement operational disciplines as you scale so that as your team grows and your revenue grows and the whole organization grows, how can you operationalize things um, so that as you're delegating tasks out to new team members or building the team out, things aren't falling through the cracks. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think starting on like Google spreadsheets and then moving to like getting those situation right from the beginning is really, really important. And that was just like a whole new territory for a lot of us. Um, and I think on on the leadership side, man, there's like, it's, it's almost hard for me to answer. Cause I feel like there's so, so many, many things. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, how do I narrow it down <laughs> to like, what were the best failures that we learned from or that I learned from? Leadership um, is always interesting. I, you know, I've had now, I guess almost 10 years of like hiring and, um, people management, and I don't know if it ever gets easier. I think you just kind of figure out how to best manage it all and make it work. Um, but yeah, no, it's definitely a lot to do in a, a running a business. <laughs> yeah, I think that there's a lot that we learned too about, um, like, it's a lot of things that are already out there that I'm just repeating just based off of experience, knowing like, yeah that's really good advice. Like hire 
hire slow, fire fast. Mm-hmm. Um, I think ha- having mentors has been a huge part of my journey. And um, I think knowing you don't have to do it alone, and especially if you're doing something impact-driven, there's probably people out there in the world that want to be a part of it, especially people that are later in their career that want to leverage their experience to be supportive and impactful. So bringing mentors in, I think, is is really, 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 really cool. And I, um, I'm glad that I've done that. I, I wish I would have done that um, sooner. I didn't start really pursuing that intentionally until like three years in. Um, yeah. And then I think an, another thing is um, from a leadership standpoint, presence is power. And I think it's really important for leaders to be with their teams and um especially during like hard moments being there being available to talk being as transparent as you can and um yeah just like really showing up for people i think that's been something that i've i've seen and experienced and um hope is something that i can do for any team that i'm working on um, whether it's this one or another one in the future. And leading into that, is there anything else you want to share with our audience? Which we have about, about, about um, let's see. We are about like what the Giving Keys is up to. Yeah, I would love to know more about what the Giving Keys is up to. What do you guys have planned on the horizon? Uh, where can people connect with you and learn more? Did I lose you? Oh, no, I'm still here. No, so okay. I would love to hear more about the Giving Keys, um, what you guys have on the horizon, uh, where people can connect with you and learn more about the Giving Keys. I want to share as much information as possible. Yes. So you can follow us on Instagram at the Giving Keys. Sure. So you can follow us on Instagram at the Giving Keys. Um, you can also find our products online for sale at thegivingkeys.com. Mm-hmm. And what's fun about shopping on our website is that you can customize. So if there's a particular word or message that you want, that's the location that you can uh, shop where you can get your products customized. And then for anybody living in LA or visiting LA, we actually just opened our first retail flagship at our office. So it's the front space of our, our office. Um, it's at 836 Traction Avenue in the Arts District in downtown LA. Okay. So we'd love to come, have you come down and visit and shop and see see the mission live in action. Um, and then I think what we're what we're up to now is um, really testing new product ideas. There's a lot of, I think a lot of people know us for the the classic key, which is like a normal size key on a chain. But as jewelry trends have kind of gone in this more delicate direction. Uh, we've we've started building out the line around options like that. So there's some really cute new stuff like our petite keys and our mini keys and other styles 
like discs um, that kind of allow you to continue supporting the mission and wearing your word, but in a way that probably fits a little bit better with, with your style. Absolutely. So that's really fun. Yeah, I'm on um, you guys' Instagram page now, and I love the key that says faith. I love, like, very New Orleans with faith and our tie to the saints, and so I love all of this. And so I will be in L.A. this month, and I look forward to coming by. Um, yes, we'd love yes, to see you. Yes, this has been great. Thank you, Britt. I appreciate you sharing all this with us. I know sometimes you're like, oh, I'm saying all of these things that other business people have said, but I will tell you, our listeners are listening and they're learning some of these things for the first time. Um, and so I appreciate you taking the time and just being candid with us um, on this interview and talking to us about uh, some of your challenges and the things that you've learned and how it has shaped you as a human being and a part of this society. Uh, and thank you again for what you're doing uh, with the Giving Keys. And that wraps our episode for today of Scaling Impact with Britt Gillimore, the president in Giving Trade. That wraps this week's episode of Scaling Impact. Subscribe, share, and let us know what and who you want to hear from in future episodes.